This, this is, is now, then. now then. Stories, Stories of people, people over 70, 70 years, years old. Told in their own words. This is Anthea. Anthea. If I have an idea, like uh, Alan would always think of some, some good reason for not having it. When we first got married, I bought a, a saucepan. And he said, but you've never looked it up. You don't know that that's the best saucepan. You should have looked it up in which. And I thought, for God's sake, can't I just buy a saucepan? <laughs> so we, we'd have sort of, that would be the, the annoying bit. <laughs> My mother, well, she had an affair with Randolph Churchill, who was, yes, it's sort of well known, it doesn't matter now, till the end of his life. Oh, I haven't told you about how I went off to the Six Days War with Randolph Churchill and we never got there. No. <laughs> uh, he's going to write it, you know, he was the uh, journalist. So off we went to Paris and stayed in a wonderful hotel in the Rue de Rivoli. And because we couldn't get to the war, he arranged for me to take photographs at a, a dress designer uh, called, what she called, uh, Ricky, um, Nina R Ricky, Ricci. And so we took photographs and he thought, he, and he'll write it up and we'll sell it. And of course we never did. But anyway, we took the, I took the photographs and I spent six days there and we then came home again. <laughs> and my mother didn't like it because she thought maybe he's going to have a go at me, you know. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Poor mother. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone if I'd known she minded. You make me feel so young. You make me feel so spring has sprung. Well, I'd always photographed children as well as portraits. I'd started working for magazines and they wanted photographs of children, so I did that. Then it became that I did it rather more than anything else in a way. I was, it was always to do with development and health and education and children's books as well. I suppose you, you get kind of typecast a bit like anything and people th think of you as, as being just a children's photographer. And so I did get a bit stuck there. But I didn't mind because I liked, I mean, I liked doing it. I used to use pictures of my children for the NSPCC. I did it for them. I didn't want a fee. <laughs> Poor Tom, who had a great cold sore on the side of his face and I got him to sit in a corner and look miserable and he turned out that he was on the boxes that they take round, collection boxes. And so that's how I worked for the NSPCC. I photographed a book of um, child development called You and Your Child and in it was a birth which was taken by somebody else and as I knew this book was probably go around schools and things and children would see it and this birth was terribly explicit and you saw more than you wanted to see, and I thought it would put them off and really rather terrify them, you know. I don't know who took the photographs at all, but at that moment I felt this is something I would like to do, is to photograph birth in a way that was acceptable and also made the viewing of it not something horrific, which it could be, and really putting people off. Harriet was, I think it was just after thalidomide, had, you know, I had terrible morning sickness and was taking some pills. And I went to the hospital to get some more and they said, we've taken those pills off. They weren't actually the thalidomide, they were something else, but they were being very cautious. By that point, I was really terrified she was going to be affected in some way at all. 
I had birth in hospital and Alan was there and when she came out, one arm came out first and he thought, oh God, she's only got one arm. <laughs> oh, it was terrible actually. And Tom was born at home, had a horrible midwife who just said, oh, well, you've been doing classes or something, just get on with it kind of thing. She wasn't at all nice. I wouldn't have wanted a photographer actually, no. I think I wouldn't. I was always surprised that people let me, amazed. I thought it was wonderful that they did. I think it was partly to do with the active birth movement and people were very excited by the movement and they wanted to help, you know. You and I are just like a couple of tides Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots First time I really saw him was on this boat. It was a party on a boat on the Thames, on a barge, and I saw him, he was, he was sitting on, on the deck and I thought, oh, he looks rather nice, but he had a, a rather pretty girl with him. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just give up. He had been hearing my voice because I'd been ringing up somebody in the house where he lived and I, he was always passing messages on. He was answering the phone and passing this. And so anyway, he recognized, well, he recognized my voice. Nothing happened then. I mean, we didn't sort of make an instant recognition kind of thing and I thought I mean okay I think he's lovely but I'm not going to hang about because he's got somebody so I'm going to I ran away so I jumped off the boat and ran and he dumped the girl actually and ran after me which was good I was freelance then it was a cheap one and quite small and it had a, a column called Undiscovered British Beauties. And so whenever I found a pretty girl, I, I would photograph her. And she'd never, ever not heard of Woman's Own. Everybody had. All the girls had. And they were all terribly pleased to be asked. And I got £10 a girl. So on our honeymoon, on my honeymoon with Alan, we could stay an extra day because I saw, I saw a pretty girl. <laughs> I said, that's another £10. Let's have another, another, another day or two. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know whether somebody told the police, but anyway, the police came and they obviously thought it was a, we were running a brothel because that I was always asking pretty girls to come to the studio. <laughs> well, I'm... Oh, how do you introduce yourself? How would you introduce yourself? Okay. I'm Anthea Seifking. I was born in July 1933, so I've been going a long time. God, I thought 83 would be a pretty terrible thing to be. <laughs> I remember my old granny, but I feel much the same. That's the funny thing. I think it's okay. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, I, I wouldn't not be 83 because then I wouldn't be here at all. So I'm glad to be around in this wonderful world. <laughs> the active birth movement was a movement in order to give women freedom to give birth in the way they chose, without drugs, if they were able to, in a good atmosphere, possibly in water, or in any position they liked, and, and to be able to walk about and be free. Well, I had to set up the lights first, and so I've got to find, find the, the plugs and God knows what, and then make sure when I turned the lights on that it wasn't going to be full blast, that the uh, dimmer was turned right down. I had some special dimmers made, 
And in those days, there were all sorts of different plugs. There, were, there wasn't just, you know, three pin. There was two pin and, and small three pin and bigger two pin and all sorts of different things. So I had to have a huge selection of possible plugs. And so there was all that fiddling about. And then I had the cameras loaded, two Nikons. And that was it, really. That was the sort of setting up and, and um, hoping no one's going to notice too much. It's tricky, actually. I couldn't possibly do it now. <laughs> the very thought of it. <laughs> and at the beginning, of course, when you're photographing the actual birth, you know, I, I, it was so moving and exciting and everything that I could, could hardly keep the camera still. <laughs> so they were sometimes out of focus. But anyway, I managed to get some extraordinary ones. There was one which was a breech birth, uh, which is feet first, as you know. And I got pictures of the baby's feet coming out and then the rest of the body, and it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> and so those are probably unique pictures. And I, I, did, I was very lucky to be able to photograph all sorts of people, and it was very exciting. <coughs> um, does my voice sound... It sounds, doesn't sound right to me, my voice, but it sound all right. <laughs> um... Going to people's houses was always nice because you could then say, um, I must see where the best light is. So you could then see all over their house, which is what I was fascinated by. I loved seeing people's houses. That was one of the really nice parts of it. And then you could find the room which was the best room. If you're behind a camera, you're removed slightly from the scene. It's as if you're watching it from another perspective. I'm trying to think what I mean. I mean, I also feel very much part of it and as well because, you know, obviously one's worried about what's going to happen and whether she's going to be all right and all that sort of thing. But I think but I'm so intent on, on getting the pictures, really, that, you, that that takes precedence. You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung And a wonderful fling to be flung we used to see each other once a week or something and never made a date. I knew he was living with somebody else who was very difficult, actually, and, and wanted not to leave him. And so I couldn't telephone him. There was a most unsatisfactory time altogether. After a bit, I decided to go to America and um, get out of it and just see what happened. So I went on the Queen Mary slowly, slowly to America, terribly unhappy because, of course, I wanted to be with Alan. And we telephoned, we telephoned. Finally, he came out to New York, and that was wonderful. And uh, soon after that, we got married. So it was wasted on me, the Queen Mary. <laughs> Such a shame. It was a wonderful boat, of course, but I've, I, I, didn't, I didn't really enjoy it because I was so miserable. There's nothing worse than going slowly away from somebody. It would be much better to go in an aeroplane, actually, and get there. <laughs> day after day, you know, not, not wanting to go. I was lucky because when I got to New York, my stepfather, who was in advertising, knew David Ogilvy, who was a very well-known advertiser in those days. And he asked me to come and have a drink with him and his wife, and he then said, we're going to Europe next week, would you stay in our house? So I said, yes, I will, and so I stayed in this house all the time I was there, really. And then Alan came out and, and we left that and found a flat, and then we came home. I know what was awful. Just before that, there was the Cuban crisis. It looked as though there was going to be an atomic war. And I thought, he'll never get here. 
and this is before he was, you know, about several weeks before he was coming. And America, in New York, everybody's hysterical and there were shelter signs everywhere. I was just so sure he'd never get there, but he did in the end and that was wonderful. Alan still didn't ask me. We came back and I thought, oh God, and he almost planned to go and take a flat somewhere else. And I thought, after all that, I can't believe it. And suddenly, out of the blue, I think we were in, we were in some bathroom somewhere and he suddenly said, will you marry me? I think it came out by mistake almost. Anyway, I said, yes, right, when? <laughs> I think it's, it sort of helped having a, a difficult time with somebody and not being instantly, I mean, it kind of made it into a, a more lasting thing, which it has been, you know kind of really wonderful lasting relationship which is very very lucky <laughs> hello. hello we're still going on Alan you're doing it and I'm doing anything for you no oh you are nice well Jess might like something another coffee or I think probably we'll fi just finish it because I don't know there's not much more is there that's all right yeah mm. sorry like um, the old days Work going on all the time. I know, I know. <laughs> Alan used to work in here a lot with somebody who's always designing exhibitions and things. Mm. Right, Alan, out you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't talk about Lester Young or. <laughs> uh. I have to shut the door because then otherwise you get extraneous sound. As long as they're shutting you out. Okay. Right, see you soon. Now then, now then is now produced, then is produced by, by Jesse Lawson, Lawson with original illustrations by Catherine Cormier. For more information, email, email nowthenstories at gmail.com.